Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Riddle Gash. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're doing well. Also with us from up there in beautiful Newcastle, Australia, it's Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's things, buddy? Hello, Ben. I'm well. I'm well. I'm feeling good again. I guess you can tell. But um, I'm glad. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you for asking. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think we're all feeling pretty good after that game three. Uh, and of course. Someone else is looking good with the, uh, the nice collar popping up over the uh, the sweater there. Joe, from across the Tasman there in New Zealand, a.k.a. Nose Crows McFly. Joe, how's it going? Not too bad. The uh, the corporate wear indicates that I just got home from work. Very uh, professional. Yeah. yeah. Looks like something Brad Stevens would wear. Uh, yeah, I definitely have a <laughs> yeah. very Brad Stevens vibe uh, with the dress sense. I'm for it. Um, nice very one. conservative, very <laughs> conservative dress. I, I'm an accountant in a rural New Zealand town. Uh, there's not, <laughs> not a lot of room for purple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. Well, look, the Celtics three games into the Eastern conference finals now, and finally get a win on the board. The 117 to 106 win against the Miami heat three wins away from the NBA finals, two losses away from going home guys starting generic here, going broad. How has the series so far measured up to your expectations going in? Fortunately, mm. fortunately all, all record of my, um, my takes prior to the series <laughs> seems to have been destroyed. I don't know what you're talking about. What? <laughs> I, I thought I, 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 thought I remembered that sort of episode, but I, I must have been a dream. My bad. <laughs> We did have a good chat. <laughs> Funnily enough, I actually, like, obviously, for the record, um, good people, I predicted the Celtics in five. Um, I don't, it's funny, obviously I'm wrong. Like, obviously we are clearly not going to win in five. I don't actually feel any different about the prediction, though. Like, okay. I, like I, we've lost games, you know, um, but I still feel like, Man, the panic coming from Bill Simmons was embarrassing to me, man. I'm, mm-hmm. He was panicking I, I, before I, the series, he, to be fair. He, well, yeah, but like saying stuff like Miami's the better team. Now, I saw a really good stat. Did you guys see this one? Sean Grandy tweeted this out. Tell, see if you've anticipated this. So he said, he said like, oh, what? Someone asked him the question, hey, what percentage of the time have the Celtics been leading um, th- these games? And it was like 75%. Yeah, right. Like, like mm. you don't do that if you're just hanging on. 
Um, you know, you do that. You know, Miami hundred percent deserve to win those games, but it's not like they weren't extremely, extremely winnable. You know, from mm. a Celtics perspective. So I don't feel differently. I think we're a better team, so and I still predict us to win. I would not be surprised if we run the table the rest of the way. At the same time, you know, when you're down two's up, it's it's a hard road to come back. And I wouldn't be surprised if we lost in seven or six. Yeah. Yeah, look, the, the margin Sorry. for error is obviously far um, less now um, that we are still down uh, by a game. But um, where it measures up in terms of expectations broadly, like, well, I expected to see Gordon Haywood come back and make a difference. Um, and we got our first glimpse of that this too. So that's going to continue for the rest of the, se- the series now. Um, I thought I didn't think we would be seeing uh, any glimpse of Enos Cantor or, or whatsoever, but um, you know that's a, a surprise and sometimes a pleasant one. Um, but no, I, I, I thought we'd be up at least. I thought we'd probably be two one up rather than two one down. But um, I mean, given we're coming off a win, I'm much more optimistic about it than I was definitely a couple of days ago. Yeah, I didn't expect the uh, the late game. Uh, like lack of efficiency and, and, and lack of dedication there from, from our guys to be such a glaring aspect of, of these losses. Ian, have you been watching the, have you been watching our team this year? <laughs> well, yeah, I have been. And I know, Still you know that I know, Brooklyn lost man. Yeah. That's where it started. <laughs> I, I am colored by my fandom here. Absolutely. But uh, I just didn't expect them to let that uh, influence the way they play down the stretch in the Eastern conference finals. I guess I just, I, I suppose I assumed that given the, the stakes here that they would step it up and play a full 48. Um, but that hasn't been the case. And the, the heat for whatever reason seemed to play their best basketball in the last five minutes of games and like sticking with game three here. Uh, it was a real butt clenching, torturous time there in these last few <laughs> minutes where the, the heat came back um, and nearly stole another one from us. Um, can you tell me what was going through your mind at that point in game three when you thought you know, perhaps the Celtics are going to drop yet another game here? I wasn't panicking, really. I, I, I felt good about the game the whole way. I felt like there was a different energy. There was that desperation that was, you know, evident. And we were being aggressive. Um, we were seeing big performances from from Jalen Brown, Kemba, and um, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, you know, in, in there at the end too. So, like, they all had over 20 points. Like, I can't remember the last time uh, that happened. So... I felt good the whole way, but yeah, like undoubtedly, you know, you get that they go on that mini run, uh, Tatum's uh, offensive foul on um, Duncan Robinson, and then they had they stopped the play forever, and it felt like that moment went on for about five years. Um, but I still didn't feel like it was we were going to get Toronto or OG Anunobid again. Um, I, I did feel like we'd hang on, and like thankfully the execution was like pretty clutch you know, for once anyway, so it was fine. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when a team gets down by like when once it starts getting to like they're down by fifteen with five minutes left, the other team has to play perfect. They have to have everything go their way, right? And once you get to that sort of a lead, like you just got to remember the other team has no margin for error. So even though yeah, naturally it feels nervous when they close it to six after what was it fifty seconds left when that when that foul was, yeah, they've still got to play perfect. To close it, you know, like I, I was nervous because I'm a fan, but at the same time, like if the shoe was on the other foot, I would be not too optimistic about us winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if, if you were a Heat fan, you wouldn't be that optimistic about closing a six point gap after mm. a few, after having your honestly having quite a lot of luck. Um, like those offensive foul calls were kind of, were kind of lucky, you know, like. Mm. Um, yeah, so so I wasn't like 
beside myself, but yeah, it was more uncomfortable. And also I wanted the game to finish quickly because I had some stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> like celebrate winning. Yeah. Uh, had you guys heard of this term, the prevent offense before? I, I had never heard of it until uh, I guess this series with the Heat, which, you know, based on what we're talking about, the, the Celtics tendencies throughout the season so far, you'd think I would have heard of it a lot sooner. I'm confused as to why it's called a prevent offense. I know in theory, the concept is that you're preventing the other team from from getting points in the limited amount of time that they've got. But really for the Celtics, it seems to be that they're just preventing themselves from continuing hmm. to be competent uh, basketball players yeah. individually it's, and as a team. It's an NFL thing, right? Like a prevent defense. We hmm. just have a really, where you sit back really conservatively, send everyone back. Like I think it's one of the Hail Marys. Like they have yeah, a prevent well, like, Taking a knee, which you can't do in uh, yeah, well. <laughs> you know, in a live game of basketball, unfortunately. Um, but it's very it's very frustrating. They prevent themselves from winning. And in the case of the first two games, the other way I look, look at it is the prevent offense, in which it's pre uh, my venting about how annoyed I am with the Celtics <laughs> after the game. Uh, but had you guys heard of this concept at all before this series? No, it sounds like a. It sounds like a contrarian way of just saying defense. You know, I'm preventing the offense so by defending. But no, I, I didn't realize it was a thing. I knew there was a thing, such a thing as as ISOing it until there's like five seconds on the clock and then doing something. But I didn't realize it had a a, a two word term. I do wonder what a true like t- taking the knees kind of twig made things twig for me. And mm. I, I think a 24 second violation is just such an underrated turnover. <laughs> it's, a, <Yeah. laughs> it's, a, it's never really that bad in a, in a game. You know, I wonder if you get up, you know, if you're up by 15 with three minutes left, if you do just go into the half court and just hold the ball. You know, yeah. well, it's four corners, eh? You know, I suppose you bring Shemmy in. Mm. You are giving the them extra like timeouts and violations. stuff. But... Forgot about yeah. that. So you can't yeah. just hold the ball for 20, 24 seconds. But that would be, in, in, you know, in theory, just just taking the shot clock out and the, team's, and the team is always trying to attack against a set defense. Because this is what happens, eh? They get a rebound, there's a turnover, they can score quickly. You just can't score quickly against a dead ball turnover. Hmm. I don't know if you guys watch much rugby league, but like since they changed the rules about kicking it dead in the in goal, less teams are kicking into the in goal. They're just getting tackled like on the sixth tackle right at the one meter line because then they restart there instead of on the twenty. And it's just right. it, it's a, it's a noticeable like mentality like shift in, in teams and stuff. So yeah, it, that just tweaked my memory of that as well too. Got to send Brad Stevens the the rugby league tapes. Get him on the right side of the prevent offense because it is the, not working the, at the moment. The three of us got some sort of rugby cricket, rugby league sort of mastermind tactician and universal playbook and sent it to him. Um, I think Banner eighteen would be a certainty. <laughs> Let's get right on that. Um, so obviously, Brad, game three. Brad, it's all about completing your sets of six. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Bring out the forty twenties every now and then. Right, at least expect it. Game three obviously was a lot better than than the previous two games in that the, the Celtics strung uh, more consistent dominant stretches together. And like we said earlier, played maybe 43 minutes of this game um, with Ticker. Um, but what, like getting into the nitty gritty, what about game three stood out to you compared to the previous two games in terms of what the Celtics did to get this done? Well, that run we had at the end of the second quarter, um, it just felt like we were able to knock them over. Eh? Like it felt like we weren't getting anything called against us, which is really nice. And when we get out and we, we're in, you know, when we're making turnovers, where that's when we make our real runs. Um, it always feels good. It's, it's just good to see us playing aggressively. And um, yeah, I, I, it was hard to imagine us losing this game. We just, we just absolutely couldn't lose it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, it was hard to, to read too, too much into it. 
at the same time as well. Um, yeah, like I, I guess I feel about the same about our team in the series as I did before. Yeah. Before the series, I, to be honest. I, now that we've seen, it wasn't a must, must win game. I mean, it was for all intensive purposes mm. being 3 0 down. We know the, yeah, exactly. But we saw them in a must win situation and we saw what the mentality was like and what the execution was like. So even if we were to lose the next game, for example, down 3 1, like it could just be the Denver Nuggets experience, but, you know, from Boston. So um, it, it hasn't, my optimism is probably immeasurably greater since um, the win, even so. It, Obviously, you don't want to go 3-1 down. I feel that would be the death sentence realistically. But now that we can see that they can do it when it really matters, if I feel like we're in those situations going forward, then we could, you know, it could be a big picture comeback. Miami has had lots of little comebacks, you know, in the context of games. Maybe we have the big series comeback. I feel that would be a, a, nice, a nice narrative if it comes true. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. Sorry. sorry, Joe, after you. No, no, you have me. I was just going to say, I hope you're right because 2-2 uh, feels good and suddenly we enter into a, into a, th- a best of three series. But 3-1, uh, you start to feel like, you know, with Gordo's baby coming up, which we'll, we'll get to, and, uh, you know, Deuce Tatum in the bubble and he's, I would imagine getting a little frantic there as, as a young bloke, the idea of maybe, okay, you know, we're eliminated after one more game. I don't know, maybe I'm selling the guy short here, but I, I can start to see a pathway you know, out quickly when they're down three, one, whereas two, two, again, you know, there's a lot of momentum behind them of like, okay, we've recovered from that, um, that early stumble. And, and now we can get back into things and, and get to the finals from here. Um, so three, one doesn't leave me with a lot, a lot of confidence going forward, unfortunately, but you, you guys know me well, I, I tend to stress <laughs> in, in less, uh, damaging situations. It's a stressful environment, man. Yeah. Can I make a quick point about something that's I've got I've got a I've got a bone to pick. I've got something that's just been getting on my goat. And it's this I saw a stat cited that if a team goes up 2-0 in the playoffs, they win uh like 89% of the time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound foreboding? Doesn't that sound bit. ominous? Mm-hmm. Well, it shouldn't. Here's why. There is such a there is zero context to that stat. I real I just it just hit me in the shower. I was like, hang on a second. That's including the series where the Bucks go up two 0 on the Pistons in twenty nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need you if if you were to, if you were to filter it down for conference finals, right? Okay, and you were to say, okay, every time a series goes, every time someone goes up two 0 what's the comeback percentage there? Guarantee it's higher. If you do something else, like maybe take teams and, and like weight it for like, you, you know, if you say they were sort of even favorites, like if there was relatively even money being bid on them before the series and a team goes up 2-0, I guarantee you, I guarantee you the odds of that team winning, uh, coming back to win are so much higher. Yeah. Like they're not going to be more than half. Like 2-0 is still, it's, it's still a really material lead. We know it, guys. Like, how many times have we been up 2-0 and we were absolutely sweating bullets by game yeah. seven? Okay. It, would look, yep. it would look much different if it was 2-0 on the road versus 2-0 at home, I think, as well, too. I think that would play a part. Like yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it, it probably would. But, but my point is, like, and it, it's, it sort of bears out now because, you see, we're, we're, we're definitely, like, this team is not, Miami's not scary. You know, they're really good and they can beat us, but they're not scary. That When you go down 2-0, it's really likely that you're going to be 2-1 after game three. Super likely. And here we are, and we're a game away from tying it. And then all of a sudden, like, the, the predictions about what, about, you know, what happens when it's 2-0 are irrelevant because you've got a 2-2 series. You know? It's just a yeah. totally different character. 
Yeah, I'd love to see what those stats are um, you know, when a, a team that is the lower seed goes up 2-0 and then how often they actually go on to win the series. Just sort of piggybacking mm-hmm. off what you were saying there, Joe, because yeah, I would yeah. imagine that would be much closer to hey, 50%. We've done it. It's another Jimmy Butler team before. That's it's, right. There's an omen. I was there. I was in Boston, flew a long way to see the Celtics lose back-to-back games one and two <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> so much so that I had to fly to Chicago for game six and see them tie up the series. So it all worked out. But absolutely, you're right, Jackson. We, we can come back against Jimmy Butler. The, the blueprint is there. Brad Stevens himself has done it. Um, Jay Crowder was involved, albeit under very different circumstances. <laughs> um, sticking sort of with Jay Crowder and, and back with game three, there were the two sort of glaring... Uh, differences that stood out to me. One was that we stuck Kemba Walker pretty much full-time on Jay Crowder defensively, and we were able to to hide him there. I think Jay Crowder shot two of 10 from the floor or maybe from three. Uh, and Kemba was kind of safe there guiding Jay, which was nice. Uh, and on the other end, the Celtics were just attacking the shit out of Duncan Robinson. Uh, and in a way, it sort of culminated with the, the Jalen elbow swipe flagrant foul because there were other instances for instance where smart posted up robinson and in the slow-mo replays like there were some swinging bows that you could see that marcus smart was hunting him in terms of a a mismatch but also like kind of going at him very very aggressively and and like freaking him out a little bit with with his physicality and the rest of the team were really all piling on there poor duncan robinson he seems like a nice guy we saw that weird i don't know if you saw the the core workout interview with him, like prior to the game where they were interviewing him like behind the curtain while he was doing like, yeah, like yoga ball workouts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I seen anything like that. It was so, so strange. But um, anyway, all for nothing. Cause he goes on to get pummeled by pretty much every member of the Celtics. There's a really good video I sent to you guys earlier. And it was posted to the subreddit earlier today by half court hoops. And they go into how, like, depending on who Robinson switched onto or how he switched, i.e. high side or low side, that would dictate which option the Celtics went to out of that set. Um, so if you haven't seen the video, check it out. It, it demos like both teams' strategy better than any other content you're going to find out there. It really is good if you're into X's and O's and um, like if you need that conveyed to you visually. Like for me, that's really helpful. Um, there was some other cool stuff on how like because the Heat switch everything, the Celtics were just generating switches until it ended up with Adebayo like brought out onto the perimeter, which allowed the Celtics to drive into very little rim protection and with a good tie seal because Adebayo's already out of the paint. So they're bringing Bam out of the paint. Then they're packing Daniel Tice down there, sealing off on a much smaller player, which is allowing this penetration by guys like Jalen Brown, who we'll get to in a second. Led to 60 points in the paint by the Celtics to mm. 36 Miami points in the paint. Um, those are the, t- the, the two key differences there. Definitely check out that video if you want that illustrated to you better than I was just able to describe it. Um, but it's very glaring, the differences there offensively and defensively in terms of the strategic changes by the Celtics. Jalen Brown, who I just touched on, 69% of his uh, points in the paint were assisted. So the Celtics navigating the zone in terms of that penetration, but also the playmaking into that penetration was a huge difference. And who can we say was responsible for that? Yes, everyone was involved, but one Gordon Hayward returned to the team and is staying in the bubble um, as long as the team is. Um, We talked about what the differences were between game three and the prior two games, guys. What did Gordon Hayward bring to the table as far as you're concerned? I just didn't have to rely on guys like Semi Ojale as much, you know. No disrespect <laughs> to the guy, but yeah, it's 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 a it's an obvious obvious um, upgrade. I felt like his first stint, he only played like about forty five seconds. He just is in, he ran and ran and ran and ran, ran, and then he was subbed out. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's going to be like one of those games. Guy ends up playing thirty minutes, so 
in an East Conference Finals against a team like the Heat, um, you know that's 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 pretty tremendous as far as I'm concerned. Um, is you know, a pretty funny stat line was it six five four three? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that just that just sounds sexy to say. Um, and yeah, and he was and he was just great. You know, it, and hearing like mid game, um, Rachel Nichols announced it that he was going to be staying in the bubble. I just it came out of nowhere. I just I thought that it had been confirmed that he would go home. So when I heard, it, I just started like just just clapping in the middle of the lounge room because I just I, it, it was such a, a surprise and. Um, I think it's probably going to uh, lift the team up as well too, knowing that he's he's here to stay. I thought he was just made really timely plays, like the, the ones that stick out with that three really late in the shot clock, and, um, and he had a really great outlet pass on a fast break, which is in that highlight video that's playing behind your head. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 both of those are just huge pressure release ones. Um, I, for me, though, I'm sort of like, you really couldn't have given us this like for game two. You really couldn't have given us this for game one. Um, I'm kind of recycling something that also got destroyed um, <laughs> in the last recording. But um, yeah, I, I sort of, I think, man, this is why, like our window is just, we just have a crack that we may not ever get again. And, and that's why I wanted him to come back. If he can help us at all, I felt he should have been back. But the flip side is that's why they're doing this, right? Like this, I think his family understand that. Look, <laughs> this really is a once in a lifetime thing, you know. <laughs> and um, maybe, maybe your kids being born isn't as important oh, as doing something yeah. really significant. <laughs> Putting it all on the line. <laughs> yeah. You know, like so. So I guess I guess I sort of see that as as maybe a um, th- this decision. It's it's in a way it almost like runs counter to his decision to stay out <laughs> for those last for those last couple of games. Um, I thought I thought he should have been playing. I guarantee he could have helped us, man. Yeah, he probably had a lot of time to think about it, like when he was at home, like with his family and watching it, watching it on TV. Like, I mean, I don't know what was going through his head either. But um, I mean, as far as like his actual injury is concerned, like, yeah, you pro- he probably could have done that for game two, to be perfectly honest. But I think if he's a human being, I think there was part of his mind is like, if I come back, like, if if I'll come back when they really need me, because if you know they just happen to go down, if we if I come back and and I'm and I suck and we're down three nothing, then you know I can go home for the berth anyway. But if if I'm good, then you know, I'm I'm, put, I'm putting a lot of like like it, it, like thought into Gordon Hayward's head here. I don't know if this is how it would have gone <laughs> down. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like if we go Gordon down, Hayward. I'm going to be home next, like in the few days anyway. So yeah. yeah, and definitely like the quarantine and the bubble thing like plays a massive part in it. I think if it was just a regular series, he could just fly in, fly out. It would be like it would miss nothing. So that definitely you know changes things. Yeah, I kind of got the impression they were hoping to steal the game without Hayward. And then, you know, if it got dire, kind of like you touched on there, Jackson, then they would bring him back. And, mm. you know, going down 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's sufficiently dire for me. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when he checked into the game in Game 3, you know, within 30 seconds, he had that that pocket pass, that zone busting. He got into the teeth of the defense and that pocket pass into Tice which I feel like only Gordon Hayward, maybe Marcus Smart, are the only two guys on the team who can throw that pass. Just that like pass that could easily be a kickball violation um, just in through the slither of space into Danny T. Um, and then he continued to sort of bring that, you know, that fundamental 
style game to to the core that we don't see from anyone else, particularly from the playmaking aspect. So um, very welcome to see that. Apparently he was gassed. I guess you could tell by the look on his face throughout some portions of the game. But um, in terms of that heat zone defense, which has been a big problem for the Celtics and, and teams prior in the playoffs, uh, Gordo was a huge ingredient in terms of the overall recipe, I think, um, for us to, to deal with that. Here's a question for you guys. What has to happen now for your verdict on Hayward's contract to change? Let me pepper something on top of that question. Like, is this the first counterpunch from Gordon Hayward in terms of like hardcore Celtics fan perception of him and his contract? Cause it feels a little bit of a sacrifice for him to be like, well, I'm actually going to miss the birth of my child or be it fourth child to be here for this team that I've missed out on being for here for, for on so many times past, if that makes any sense. Mm. Well, I think his, his like his contract in, in the aggregate has, pro, has provided negative value uh, in my view. But um, that's a sunk, there's a sunk cost right now, right? You know, sure. like, but, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm, like, I'm a Gordon Hayward fan, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he has a moment. Um, is, this, is this the first time he's been able to contribute something significant um, to the Celtics? I guess so. Like last... He had a big game against Milwaukee in game one last year from memory. Um, but yeah, other than that, he really hasn't had a time to do much in high leverage situations. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the question of like uh, whether his contract was, was worth it money wise. Yeah. Is, is kind of just null and void at this point because yeah, it, it wasn't, he didn't play for an entire season, you know, under completely understandable and acceptable circumstances, but he didn't play an entire season. So um, look, sure. If, if we end up winning the title um, and he hits like a buzzer beater to, to win it. And it's like, you know, that Butler scene, uh, but instead they win. Um, and it's just like one of the biggest basketball fairy tales ever. Then sure. You could say that contract was a hundred percent worth it. If he played like one game, his entire career. And it was that with the Celtics, it would be worth it. But um, no, I don't think it's, you're going to ever be able to like reconcile the cost that he, he, he came for. Okay, so say if they go on to win the next three games, they go to the finals and they lose in seven to the Lakers. Is Hypothetically, is his contract then suddenly a net, a net positive? Because that's, that's as far as he can go without going all the way. Does that make the whole Hayward ordeal worthwhile knowing that he was integral in the end to, to getting us there? Depends how he plays. If he's crap, then it's <laughs> terrible. If he plays really, really well and he's un- and he's un- we're un- unlucky to lose, then yeah, that's a different thing altogether. But you know, it's too hard to say for mine. I mean, I guess you got to also consider, oh, you know, what was the opportunity cost for us of Gordon Hayward? It was uh, from memory. Um, it was giving up Alinek and Avery Bradley, um, and Avery Bradley turned into Marcus Morris. Was pretty good anyway. Um, well, good for us at least. You do it again ten times out of ten, knowing all that you could know in the sum, you know, in July twenty seventeen, right? Like you, you would always, you would always sign him. Um, it's just that it's you know he's basically he was out for an entire year. He wasn't good last year, and he's been out for really important portions of time this year. So if you're doing a strict cost benefit, like like if you're doing a strict accounting, in the end, like it's pretty hard from it's. Would it be worth it if he made one big shot? Um, like from an accounting perspective, probably not. You know, but, <laughs> one hundred and twenty million dollar yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but you know, as a fan, um, will I think of him? You know, will I 
will he be a Celtic hero? <laughs> Maybe. If that's kind of what you're getting at, you yeah. know? And it's not like the Celtics are going to go out of business. It wasn't like that was a catastrophic financial failure that's yeah. crippled, like, you know, the, <laughs> the very fabric of the business forever. You know, we'll get over it. We'll be okay. Yeah. Well, look, he was certainly a hero in this game. And I, I'm very thankful that he's back, despite everything um, and all the occasions where he has not been present in the past uh, since signing with the Celtics. I'm very happy that he was here for this game because he definitely made a huge difference. Um, Reddit user 3YH HexDNU2, uh, not an easy username to read out, said, We had 27 assists on. 41 field goals, which is an awesome assist to field goal ratio. Do feel like while Hayward only had five or four of those, I haven't got his, his stat line up in front of me. Um, he had a lot of hockey assists in this game and he was penetrating that zone such that we were able to make the extra pass or two to get open looks. Um, like one Hayward assist that does come to mind is that baseline drive late and the dish out to Kemba in the sort of the far right corner from the viewer's perspective, hit that very timely three to sort of, put the game out of reach, I guess, for the heat there in the end. And like, do we have a playmaker of that caliber who can make that pass to Kemba in that location without Haywood there? Probably not. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just relieved really because I was starting to get super bummed out with how the series was playing out. Now Haywood's back and I'm starting to feel confident again, even though we are still down um, one game just to move on. User artist rabid writes, I think the C's must've exercised all their demons with that argument after game two, which we haven't touched on, do you think the team blow up guys, the, the drama in the locker room there had much to do with the, the sort of shift to this renewed focus and energy from the Celtics or was it overblown? I think it's a hundred percent overblown. I think, I think there was something very, you know, that they, they were obviously yelling at each other and were at it, but like, I think this is just, you know, symptomatic of, of, you know, competitive teams. Like I've, how many times have you heard like this shit come out of like golden state warriors, um, you know, locker room with Draymond and Kevin Durant and everything like that, you know, say what you will about the personalities of them, of those guys versus the Celtics. But it, it, does, it doesn't throw teams like that off, you know, like the good teams, you know, they, they take it on board and they get through it. And I think that's precisely what's going on here because I don't think it really like bothers any of them. I think they come to expect it. And I think it's, I think maybe the bubble circumstances, no, I was going to say maybe the bubble circumstances makes the media more sensitive to it, but that's probably not the case. I think it's probably just, it, this is something that they're used to. This is something that they expect and something that they've just gotten over on, gotten gotten on with because they're professionals. For me, it's just reflective of their understanding that this is a real opportunity. Like if they'd gone down 2-0 in similar circumstances to the LeBron's Cavs in 2018, <clears throat> I don't think you'd have the same reaction. I don't think that that team really, really, truly believed it had a chance. To me, this indicates that there's a level of self-belief about the team. Um like that's why they're angry. It's because this is a real opportunity that you know they've let two of them slip twice in a row. They've had leads of five plus inside five minutes. I mean, you know, those are golden opportunities, um, and you know, they're not opportunities just to advance. They're opportunities to win the whole thing, and they're so rare, man. They're so rare, eh? Um, and it's 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 having a. It's, it, to me, it shows that the team, <laughs> big picture, has a respect for the for their opportunity. Yeah, that, absolutely. That may not be evident in their play sometimes. <laughs> At least at the end of the game, for sure. Um, there was a brief moment sticking with the, the chippiness side of things early in game three between Jalen Brown and Jay Crowder. And, uh, you know, they got into it a little bit. And I love that Jalen 
uh, you know, in the, in the ensuing gameplay had uh, quite a few alpha moments over Jay Crowder in the end. Cause Jay Crowder is a pretty scary dude. Right. And, and Jalen Brown really rose to the occasion and he stripped him at half court and got out for a quick bucket at one point. I think he also blocked him at one point too, and just kind of dominated Jay Crowder at every opportunity throughout the remainder of the game. Joe, like you talk about ticker from the team and, and maybe Jalen Brown at times hasn't always been the player to exhibit that. Um, an example of that would be how he can, kind of suck on team defense occasionally and, and fall asleep and, and get backdoor cut. Um, and yet throughout this game, in fact, since that terrible game, I think it was game four or five in the Raptors series, Jalen Brown's been great. And I, I feel like that culminated with this going up against Jay Crowder and kind of sticking it to the man in that sense, based on the the chippiness earlier in, in the game there. What'd you guys think about that? Love it when he plays aggressive and, and that's his strength, right? That's his, it's his, it's his, it's his saving grace is that he stays aggressive. Um, and um, I think the Celtics feed off that a little bit. You know, if he's engaged and like looking to crack some skulls, I think we're really a better team. Yeah, and, and I think I think those two guys are still very much friends. So I think it's just like it's purely on the court, just alpha competitive shit. So I think I think they probably both enjoy it, you know, getting into it like that too. So um, I I, I, can, I expect to see it, you know, go on, but never really amount to you know anything other than just what we saw. Yeah, Is Jack so- Crowder still. Sp- Still tweeting in all caps, by the way. <laughs> He's still tweeting. It's <laughs> a good Don't question. Follow him, man. <laughs> um, we're going to circle back on that one. I'm not sure, but I, I'd love to know the answer. Uh, Jalen Brown's defense on the Miami Heat players in Game Three. This is posted. It's an NBA Central tweet posted by user Raw Blank. Jimmy Butler, one of four from the field, and two turnovers. Duncan Robinson, one of four. Tyler Hero, one of four. Crowder, zero of one, and one turnover. And Bam, out of box. Bio, O of one. Um, also, Dragic, O of one as well. Um, subtext, Jalen Brown is a fucking awesome defender and did really, really well in game three. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about, segue, is the five-leaf clover offense uh, with, with Kemba Walker as the small in that offense. Uh, the end of the second quarter, where they started to turn them over a lot and get at it in transition a lot, what is... Super impressive to me is how Jalen Brown can be the defender competently on guys like Bam Adebayo, and it's fine. Uh, And then there are guys like Tatum and Gordon Hayward who can get switched onto Adebayo, also fine, totally manageable, maybe not in huge long spurts of the game, but certainly in little micro spurts to to end a quarter well or to end a game well, uh, which we're yet to see. Um, I feel like that was the first time, well, it was, because Gordon's only just come back, uh, that we've seen that lineup in the playoffs Anything jump off the page for you there, guys? Were you like, did you find yourself being like, oh shit, okay, it's this this lineup? And then what do you think of them overall? Uh, probably, I don't know about like lineups and so much, but like, I mean, the inclusion of Grant Williams again in the fourth was something that like definitely stood out for me. Um, and just having Haywood in there, just to say to like like shore up the rotations like so much better. You didn't feel like we were like dipping into the bench, you know, so much. Like that little Enos Cantor cameo that we had at the start, like just to sort of like get some of those like you know stat padding offensive rebounds and, and whatnot in there. Um, it actually like, in like little pieces like that, it contributed the whole way. And like on Jalen Brown's defense, man, I think like these these entire playoffs, his defense has really shone. You know, is in the Sixers series, it was definitely evident against Pascal Siakam in the, in the Raptors series. And and if he continues to have that kind of performance, I think you know it's going to be. I think we're going to advance. Yeah, I mean anything that 
um, gets Brad to put his anus away is is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> put your anus away, Brad. No one wants to see it. It's just inappropriate. <laughs> there are children watching for God's sake. It's so big, but <laughs> <laughs> it is a large anus. Let's 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 be true about this. Uh, what else we got here? I'm, I'm kind of running out of notes. I told you guys before we started recording this. I I did not spend a lot of time preparing for this podcast. I'll blame my nine week old child for that. Um, Jason Tatum is probably worth noting. Eight assists, 14 rebounds, and some amount of points in the 20s as well. Brian Robb tweeted out, Jason Tatum nearly has more double-doubles in 14 playoff games, eight, than he did during the entire regular season, 10, which is uh, wild wild stuff. Maybe you can blame the, the absence of Gordon Hayward for some of that, but um, this passing element to his game, this reliability, which you spoke about uh, earlier in the playoffs is, is really starting to emerge now. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Any new takes on, on Tatum based on his playoff performance so far? No, I support it. Like he's, um, he's, he's, he's becoming a more complete player. He's got his flaws, that chicken wing, man. He's got to watch that chicken wing. He, he gets a little off balance, but for, for his flaws and he does have them, he's still a, He's still just a top level producer in the NBA. He just is, and you got to respect it. He gets it done, man. And um, yeah, I th- I think his playmaking, his development is hugely encouraging. Like it's clearly he's he's in a different dimension to what he was uh, earlier in, in in the season. Yeah, and I feel like he's been solid but not spectacular. I think before the Celtics uh, either win this or get eliminated from the playoffs, so we'll get, there's going to be a Tatum game that's just going to be like just all headlines and shit. So I hope that's soon. It's also like it's kind of better to have like how many forty point games has Jamal Murray had in the playoffs? Like four. I'd still yeah, rather have row, what Tatum yeah. Tatum gives us. You know, as awesome as Murray is, I'd rather mm. have what Tatum gives us. Say, eh? and, and it's a consistency. A, yeah, a cons- consistency is has a quality to it all its own. You know. Hmm. You could call it a captain's knock, I think, if you were captain's knock. There it is, yeah. genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just a firmer grasp on the game. It feels from from end to end. Again, by the the final few minutes there. Um, user Lotus Blossom wrote regarding Kemba. Kemba's biggest impact last night was when Hero was going off on us. Brad stuck Kemba on him of all people, and then Hero stopped going off. Kemba fighting through multiple screens and crowding his airspace so we didn't have room to keep shooting was pretty impressive. We talked about Kemba a little bit earlier uh, and I feel like he's definitely not as bad as he has been earlier in the playoffs. He's got a little bit more room to breathe and his shot has coming back, has come back a little bit, but I wouldn't say he's featuring heavy in the story of the game. Um, he's just kind of a, a reliable cog in the machine. Does that sound fair? Yeah, yeah. It, it does. I think we're, I feel like offensively we're at our best when he's rolling. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Those are comfortable games. You know, when Kim is really rolling, it, we, we te- I feel like we tend to win quite comfortably because it's, everything's so easy for everybody when, when he's comfortable. Yeah. I think it's the best version of ourselves is, is when Kemba is just efficient and rolling, but like, you know, it's either a Tatum, a, a Tatum or a Brown or a Smart in some situations who are making like the highlight, you know, like attention grabbing plays and stat lines and whatnot. So yeah, no, uh, Kemba's been, Kemba's been solid. I think he, I think he's, I think he's like struggled a little bit overall in the playoffs. So to see him like have a, like a level out, you know, not level out, that's been one good game, but you know, I think he'll, I think he'll continue. Yeah, no, I hope you're right. Um, just moving through the rest of our notes here before we wrap this one up. 
Grant Williams, Joe, in particular, I'm surprised that we've gone 40 minutes without you bringing him up. I, he, has he, he's been incredible, right? He comes in towards the end of, of game three there, hits a corner three immediately, uh, great hustle plays there and does well defending Bam and switching out onto the perimeter. Um, and he smashed his mic'd up debut as well. I don't know if you guys caught like mm. some of the, the audio from Grant Williams there, but dude, it's incredible. I, it's only, the, only the banter with Hayward about the, the moustache. Um, that's all. I, it was just that was the only thing that was posted to Reddit that I saw. So that was all I had, I had to go. With. I love Grant. Um, he's a player, man. He's a player, and um, he got. I love that he got the Draymond Green seal of approval. Um, that made me mm. feel vindicated. Yeah, I feel like all of his threes are going in now too. Remember, when he couldn't hit one to save his life for like the first yeah. year of his career. What it seems like, and now it's every time he launches it up, it feel like it's going in. It's I guarantee you, he will be a reliable three point shooter. He will be a he'll be a thirty six percent plus three point shooter in his career. I shouldn't guarantee. I bet. <laughs> I bet. It seems highly <laughs> likely. Yeah, and he's a reliable everything else for the most part, and you know the fact that the bench now can just be Gordon Hayward and Grant Williams. That can just be our bench. We can play a seven man lineup. I feel very comfortable with those guys coming off the bench, and the bench has been a glaring issue for the Celtics all year. And suddenly, like those are two guys I trust deeply. And I'm very comfortable with that. And they're both quite versatile in terms of playing out of their positions as well. So suddenly that's looking pretty good for the Celtics if they do advance to the finals, having those two guys uh, available. Um, I guess that's pretty much all we can spout about game three in the, in the series so far. Game four is coming up. A bit of a rest for those guys. It's, uh, I guess, Wednesday in the US, Thursday in our part of the world. How do you see game four playing out? Are the, are the Celtics going to continue to punch back or is it a little harder to predict than that? I think we might see a game where we don't get out into a big lead. I think we might see something a little bit more akin to like the later series with the Raptors where it was just it was just a lot closer. Um, but could be wrong. Could, could be very well be we get out, big lead, cuts back again. Maybe we survive, maybe we don't. I expect to see it a lot closer, a lot more for, evenly fought throughout. Yeah, I, I expect that. Um, I expect us to win um, because I think we're better, and I think um, that it's just a regression to the mean for us to win. That said, you know, like you leave, like we're at the point where we don't have a lot of um, we don't have a lot of sample size to throw at this, even if, if we are better. Um, and um, yeah, and and look, if we're if we're down three one, I can't say I'll be surprised, but I expect us to win. Yeah, I think I expect us to win too, and I expect it, it's been very formulaic so far in how games one, two, and three have played out for the most part, except for the ending of game three. I feel like you know it might not be a particularly good TV, but I feel like the game's going to play out pretty much uh, the same in terms of the rhythm and the pacing of the game. Celtics will get out strong and, and build a big lead, gradually lose it throughout the game, and hang <laughs> on just to win. <laughs> so it's going to be uh, torturous again for Celtics fans. I'll out take there. it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, has this series been an, I don't know if it affects you guys the same way as it affects me, but an all time stop and walk away and glance at the result later series. Cause it, it's like a top five playoff series in that sense for me. I feel like I've really been hurting the team with the times that I've <laughs> brought, brought the game up on the old phone. 
know, you start to feel bad about it, eh? It's funny. Yeah. I'm, it's funny. I actually feel like I'm the inverse because I watched the first half of both games and, you know, what happens in the third quarter. And then I turn it back on the fourth, hoping I can, like, correct it somehow and it just never seems to happen. So, no, I haven't, like, fully walked away yet, but um, it, it's it's got that icky, I just want it to be over and hope for the best sort of feeling, yeah. Mm. Got to enjoy it, guys. There'll be a few twists left in this tale. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it only gets worse, right? Hypothetically, if the Celtics do make it to the finals, if this, if you think this feels bad and, you know, again, hypothetically, if they happen to be playing the Lakers, that's going to feel really, really bad, um, but <laughs> potentially really great if they prevail. So a long way between now and then, but uh, very exciting. Uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a few days here to bask in the glory of that game three victory before a very important game four on Wednesday in the US or Thursday, if you live around here like we said earlier jackson and joe love your work guys thanks again thanks for having us man cheers mate okay until next time go celtics peace uh uh hiking in the sun the happiness that you mourn you know the kids still dance so we supply all the songs if i'm wrong